Well, we're kicking off a brand new series called Legacy. And in this series, we're talking about how to live a life beyond ourselves. And we're talking about how, 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 do, we, how do we live just beyond the here and now, live beyond just me and, and, and what, what I'm going through and what we're going through. I read a book earlier this year um, that was so good by Dave Ramsey called The Legacy Journey. And uh, we, we actually have these books for sale. They're cheaper than what you can even get them on Amazon. We're selling them to you cheaper than what we bought them for. But uh, there are $15 outside. You can pick one up. But in this series, we're going to be looking at how do we leave a legacy? How do we live, live a legacy life, specifically in the area of our finances? How do we get freedom in this area so that we can leave a legacy? And that's what this book is all about. And I'm not really going to be teaching from this book at all, but there are so many practical things in this book that my prayer is that for the next month, we will take a journey together from, from, to, to a place where we get some hope in our life that it's God's idea for us to live beyond ourselves and have a legacy. Our theme verse for this series is Psalm chapter 112 and verse 5. It says, Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. This is God's idea, to live a life beyond ourselves. And I want... You to, I want you to see that this legacy life, this life that's remembered forever, legacy is directly connected to generosity. That the legacy life is a generous life. And in this series, we're going to be talking a lot about how I think culture just lied to us, honestly, because uh, especially in the area of our finances and the area of our things, because there are so many things that uh, for previous generation were common sense. Uh, and I'm going to talk a lot about my grandfather in this series because my grandfather was a legacy type of person. He passed away last year, and he left a legacy both spiritually and naturally uh, to his kids and to his children's children. That's what the Bible says, that a wise man, a good man, leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And as a kid growing up, there are so many things that my papa did that I thought were just crazy because no one else around did it. My friends and their, their parents didn't do that. But now looking back at the end of his life, I think Papa kind of knew what he was doing. He was living a legacy life. And I think God's put it in all of us. We want to do this. I really do. I think it's in your heart to make a difference and to leave a legacy of faith, a legacy for the next generation to make a difference. But, but, but culture has just lied to us. They, statistically, the 80% of Americans worry about money all the time. <laughs> like, can I get a witness, somebody? You know, this is, this, is, this is where we're at. This is where society is. That 80% of Americans, when surveys say money is their number one worry. And here's the problem. We live in the most prosperous nation on planet Earth. But we're worrying about money, so something's wrong with this equation. That we are worrying about money. The number one reason for divorce is money. The number one worry is money. And the average American lives on 130% of their income. Well, I'm no mathematician. But I don't think that works. I don't think the math works very well on this. And I, I think this, that it's not just our number one worry. I think many times it's our number one shame. From the enemy. I think if you're going through financial struggle and difficulty, the enemy's in your ear right now saying, God doesn't love you. He doesn't care about you. You're not special. He doesn't have a plan for your life. And in this series, we're going to silence the lies of the devil and to let you know there is hope in the area of your finances if we do it God's way. 
There's hope in the area of our, of our things and we can live our lives and have a legacy life. See, that's what God wants to do in all of us. It's not his will for us to, to not be able to be a blessing to others. That's why, that's why God said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, I will make you into a great nation. And God says to Abraham, I will bless you. And I want to tell somebody, God wants to bless your life. That, that, and here's the encouraging thing. You say, well, that's good for Abraham. Here's the encouraging thing, that in Christ, we have all the blessings that God gave to Abraham in Christ. So here's the deal. God wants to bless you and not just bless you so you have what you need. He goes on to tell Abraham, I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. In other words, you'll leave a legacy. And that's God's idea. He doesn't want you to just live in the land of only enough I believe God wants to bless you so that you can leave a legacy in the lives of other people around you. He wants you to live a legacy kind of life. I want to, in this series, share with you four legacy principles. This is kind of where we're going for the next four weeks. And uh, I want to encourage you to, 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 to be here. If you're, not, if you're traveling, check out online or, or listen to the podcast. In this series, we're going to talk about four principles that are really countercultural whenever it comes to how we live a legacy. Biblical principles. Here they are. Number one, less is more. Stress is bad. Giving is good. And tomorrow matters. Could you say those with me? So good. Less is more. Stress is bad. Giving is good. And tomorrow matters. One more time. Less is more. Stress is bad. Giving is good. And tomorrow matters. These are principles that we're going to dive into. And I believe by the help of Almighty God, we're going to get some freedom in these areas of our life. There may, and we're going to get some peace. Maybe you are having, maybe you're in an abundance, but you don't have peace. God wants to, the scripture says, God makes the, the blessing of the Lord makes a man rich and he adds no sorrow to it. In other words, God wants to give you peace with what God's blessed you with so that we can be a blessing. And God's gonna help us by, in, in Jesus' name. So let's pray and ask the Lord to help us in this series to, to see what his ways are so that we can leave a legacy and make a difference. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, that, that in the middle of, 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 this, of, of this topic, you give us hope. Lord, I pray today, Lord, for people that, 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 that this has been an area of their life that they feel shame about because of bad decisions or difficult situations. Lord, let them have hope. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you say words I could never say? God, I can't do this without you. Lord, would you help us to see that you've called us to leave a legacy, to make a difference that lives beyond ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. In uh, the 1800s, there was a man um, named Russell Conwell that was uh, the founder of Temple University in Philadelphia. And he founded the university because of a book that he wrote that in the mid-1800s, this is crazy, sold 7 million copies. There was no Amazon. Uh, there, there was no you know, internet. There was no Google to be able to search books. There was no Barnes & Noble. But he sold 7 million copies and literally traveled the world. They said that he gave the talk of the book, the story of the book, over 7,000 times in person. That he lived his life and he took all the proceeds from the book and he founded Temple University, which is, a, which is still a university today in Philadelphia. And so he gave all the money that he made from this book um, to, to this university. And the whole book was centered around a story that he heard, a true story that he heard whenever he was traveling in the Middle East as a young man. 
a, uh, uh, he heard a story from a man, a true story, about a guy who lived in South Africa that he, he, just, he, had a few, he had a few acres of land. He was not a rich man, seemingly, but he had just a simple ox, a simple family, and, and he, he lived his life until one day a passerby came and told him the story of something called a diamond. And he told them that there's this place in India that if you can find this particular valley that's between two mountains, and he described the, uh, the, 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 the land and the geography, that, that you can find this thing called a diamond. And a diamond is, is not only beautiful, a diamond is incredibly valuable. And this man, after hearing the story of this diamond, he left his family, left his farm, and he went to India to search for the diamond. Well, he never found it. And the story goes that the man died, a pauper on the streets, and without, you know, far from his family. And then what happened, his wife had to sell the property and sold it to another farmer who took the same plow and the same oxen in the same field and began to work it. He noticed while he was working that field, there were these black rocks that would come up in the ground as he would plow the soil. And these black rocks, they were kind of unique because if you would hold them into the light, they, they, they would kind of sparkle just a little bit. And so he thought those rocks were interesting, so he put one on his mantle. And then a few months later, a, um, a priest came by to welcome him into the community. And in mid-conversation, the priest sees that black rock and says, where did you get that? And he says, oh man. He says, this whole farm is full of those strange black rocks to which the priest says that's a diamond it's just a diamond in the rough and the story goes on that literally this man was sitting on and here's the title of the book acres of diamonds and that plot of land became what is still today the Golconda diamond mines of South Africa and they're still getting diamonds off of that property today but he the Russell Conwell wrote this book on the premise that many times we live our lives in search of a distant diamond not realizing that we're sitting on acres of diamonds many times they're just diamonds in the rough and if we're going to leave a legacy we can't live a life searching for a distant diamond. That was Adam and Eve's first temptation. Satan tempted them with the thought that something else that they don't possess is going to be the thing that brings them satisfaction. In other words, that God has kept something good from them. And in the search of the distant diamond, we many times miss the reality that, of what God has already given us. And I believe when we start realizing what God has given us, God will help us to leave a legacy to pass down generation to generation. Here's what Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6 says. This is a countercultural idea. And this is something that's easy to just kind of let it just kind of go off your mind when we leave today. But I want to challenge you to take this to heart. Hear God's word today. Ecclesiastes 4, 6 says, It's better to have one, what? Handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. It's better to have one handful with tranquility and two hand, than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind, to which I say, I don't know what I think about that because I'm a two-handful kind of person. I believe in carrying all the groceries in at one time. 
I don't know if there's any other people in the house like that, but I don't think I'm even a man if I can't carry every bit of groceries. I will get both hands full. I will have 60 grocery bags between both arms, and I will be knocking over children. I will be doing everything, getting in the door. I mean, light switches just going. I mean, just, I'm just all over the place. By the time I get to the kitchen, my, my hand has no more blood in it. There's no circulation in my hands anymore. But bless God, I made all of the groceries come in one trip. I'm a two-handful kind of person. I want everything, and I want it now. I want to I I progress, and I want success, and I want to make a difference and all of these things. And I think, that really show, I think that's really the temptation of our life. That's the temptation of our day, to, to, to live life with two hands full, to live life getting everything that we can get. And God's Word is trying to tell us something, that, there, that, that there's a benefit to leaving one hand open. We're a society that values the two hands. Get all you can get. But God says, get what you can get, but always make sure you got a hand free. Somebody give me a free hand. Give, give, give me a little wave. Yeah, you got a free. What's the value of a free hand? Whenever you have a hand free, whenever I'm carrying in the groceries, what can I do? I can't do much of anything, right? Because my whole life is consumed with both hands. But whenever I have a hand free, man, I can give. Somebody needs help. I got a hand free to help them up. If, some, if I need something, I can receive if I have a hand free. That if I fall, I can catch myself if I have a hand free. But we live in a two-handed society, and I want to challenge us today that less really could be more. That we could, we, we could have more, not by following what the culture says and just getting everything that you can, you can have, but, but realizing better is one handful. Here's, what, here's a man in the scripture that really struggled with this idea. Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. This is a story of what we call the rich young ruler in the Bible. It says, One came to Jesus and said to him, Good teacher, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? He said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but the one that is God. But if you want to, to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? Jesus said, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said, I grew up in the youth group. I've been doing this since I was a kid. What else you got for me, Jesus? Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, then go and sell what you have and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and then come and follow me. But when the young man heard the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had both hands full. I think the story of the rich young ruler illustrates not the fact that possessions are bad or wrong or we shouldn't have things or we should go right now and sell our homes and, and give it all to the poor. I don't think that's prescriptively what Jesus was saying. But Jesus was getting to the heart of a man that had two hands full of life. That he was living his life not with a free hand to follow Jesus, but he, but he had some things. And I'll say this, Jesus is just fine with us having things as long as things don't have us and I encourage you get the legacy journey it's so good because it gives a biblical worldview of things and what we have but what a tragedy of what this young man missed out on because he wasn't willing to live a life with the hand free say well I have a lot of things and Jesus says well yeah you have a lot of things but what you don't have is the greatest thing and that's the opportunity to to do something eternal with your life, to make a difference. 
So through this story, I just want to give you some simple principles of how to live with just one hand, how to have a one-handed kind of life, how to have a hand free, how to not live life searching for the distant diamonds without realizing, hey, I have a hand free to do something great. Here's, here, here's the first reality. Choose calling over compensation. Choose calling over compensation. Get a handful of compensation. Do your best. Be a leader in your workplace. Be a leader in your life. Many people think, well, oh, that means I need to stop working and I just need to do something, that, that, like get a calling. I need to quit my job and I need to work at the church. Then I'll really have a calling. But no, God's called you to make a difference right where you are. Like there's a calling on your life and get one handful of the blessing and the benefit and the compensation. But, but I think God would say to us simply this, keep a hand free. Make sure you always live your life where you have hand free to do whatever God calls you to do. Like that matters more than anything else. The calling. Can I just take a minute to say God has a calling for your life? That's not just people that stand on stages on Sunday mornings that have callings, but you have a calling. There are, there, there are incredibly talented, gifted people that are part of this church that are literally making a difference in all spheres of our society. And I want to tell you, you're doing things that I could never do. You're sitting in rooms and having influence for Christ that I could never have. You have a calling. So live your life from that place of saying, God, it's not just about this. It's not just about how much I can make. There's people that make decisions solely based on this. And my challenge to you, if you want to leave a legacy you got to make a decision based on this like what's God calling our family to do what's God calling me to do live your life from a sense of calling not just not just this not just compensation that what matters most I asked this question on Facebook or I did a very scientific poll of Facebook it's very scientific and I asked people what matters most to you and I got a lot of great answers um, many people said, God matters most, my family matters most, my calling matters most. Um, uh, my friend, our friend Adam McChesney said this. He said, my relationship with Jesus, loving my family well, and then tied for third, Coke Zero, bacon, Chewy's, creamy jalapeno dip, Best Buy, air conditioning, biscuits and gravy, and Wi-Fi. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> But what matters most? What matters most, rich young ruler? Where, where's the thing? And, and, and the sad thing is, and that, the reason I ask that question is so many of the things in my own life that I spend my life worrying about, fretting about, focusing on, spending time on, they're not any of those things that I know are the big thing. My family, God's purpose, the, the blessing of God, that, like all of those things, that's what matters more than anything else. But many times we choose to do the opposite and we focus on the, the, the other thing. Paul says in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, I consider my life worth nothing. To me, if only I may finish the race and complete the tasks. So Paul's purpose was all about, man, I got a task. I got a task to finish. If you're in school right now, I want to tell you, you have a task to finish. It's not just getting good grades. Yes, you should get good grades, but you have an impact that you're supposed to make. If you're at work, you're, you're not just called to, to advance and, make a, to, advance and to, to make more money. Absolutely do that in advance, but always realize, I got a task, a calling, and it's to make a difference in the lives of people. That's how we leave 
a legacy that God's put people around us to make a difference and to, and to live there, to help lead them to Jesus Christ. See, we don't just need money to live on. I believe we need something to live for. And my, my grandfather, as I mentioned earlier to me, he was such an example of this. He left a legacy, as I said earlier, spiritually, and he left an inheritance to, to his children and to his children's children. And the best job my grandfather ever had was he was a janitor at the elementary school that I went to. He worked there for 18 years. And I can, he started there my kindergarten year. And, uh, and, and I, his name was Mr. Rickard, and everybody knew Mr. Rickard. The thing about my grandfather, he didn't see his work as something less than. He didn't see him being a janitor as something that, oh, I just have to do this. No, he saw that he got to do that. And he lived his life as a calling, and he loved the teachers and the kids. And he and my grandmother would literally walk around that school in the mornings, and they would pray for the blessings of God on that school and the people. And I want to tell you, God blessed him abundantly. And God's hand was upon his life. And he was blessed to be a blessing. And it was not because he was some great evangelist or, 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 or somebody that you would, you would look and think, oh, 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 that's a person with a calling. No, it was a janitor that said, God's put me on this property to make a difference. And when we were at the, the middle school when the church first started, before my grandfather passed away last year, he wrote me a letter and he said, Brandon, the Lord reminded me of all of the times that we prayed around that school that that that." that that I worked at and he said I just prayed that the Lord would take all those prayers and he would bless that school that you guys are at and that, that church would make a difference what was that that was a man that was leaving a legacy it was someone that always yes do your best yes do what God do what you can do but always leave a hand open for the call that God has on your life First Peter chapter 2 says you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, so that you may declare the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Here's the focus, you. I want to tell somebody here today, you are chosen. You are royal. You're a royal priest. If I could say it like this, welcome to the ministry. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever thought about yourself that way, but you're part of the ministry. I think we have this statement in, in modern life. We say full-time ministry. I don't know if I'm called to full-time ministry. Here's the revelation. We're all called to full-time ministry. That no matter what you are, what you're doing, or however God's providing, God is still the one providing for you. And he's providing for you. Why? So that you can live your life to make a difference. And we do that by keep, always keeping a hand free. Yes, we're going to do better. And yes, we're going to better ourselves. But, but we're always going to say, God, what's the calling that you have? And we're going to keep a hand open for the calling. That's why at church, we've centered the whole church around this idea of not just you coming and attending services, but you discovering the purpose that God has for your life and going and making a difference. See, I believe that the greatest purpose in your life will not even take place in these church walls. Like the greatest thing you'll ever do for God, like God did not save you just so that you would open a door, just so that you would park a car. All those things are wonderful, but God saved you so that you can go out in this world and make a difference, that you can do something beyond these four, the four walls of the local church. And that's why we have every month today at 1.30, we have something called Next Steps. 
It's all centered on you beginning to step into the destiny and the purpose that God has for your life. You hear more about the church and our vision and and more than that, how you can get involved and make a difference in your world. And then we're starting something brand new this month. I announced it last week as well, but we're having a discovery experience is what we're calling it on October 28th. We're gonna begin to do this every month and it is gonna be a deep dive into discovering the uniqueness that God has created you in and the purpose and the gifts and all of these different things. we're going to center our lives on the calling of God, not just stuff and not just things. We're going to, that's what we're going to leave a hand free for the call of God. Here's, here's the second thing. Choose contentment over consumerism. Choose contentment over consumerism. We live in a consumer culture, don't we? I, I see this with my kids. I see this with me. But I, see, I definitely see it with my kids. A lot easier to talk about them than it is to talk about me. But... With, with my kids, it's all about the phone and the apps. You know, they, they, want the, they want another app. Dad, if I can just get this app, if I can just get this app. And they'll say, it has a cloud, which means it's free. You know, it's a, but, but I'm like, son, I don't have any more space on my phone for all the apps that you have. And they'll say, oh, it's only $4.99, Dad. It's only, if I can just get that, I don't, I don't want any more apps. It, 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 it's just our society today. We used to have this thing where if you wanted something in a store but you didn't have money for it, you would take money and you would give it to the store and say, could you hold this for me? They would take the thing, put it back in the warehouse, and then you would come and you would give money uh, to that said store until that thing was paid off, and then they would hand it to you, and that was called? Some people are like, I don't even know what that is. (laughs) Layaway. Man, today, that's not our culture anymore, is it? Our culture is get it now, if you don't have money to pay for it, just charge it. And someone said this recently. I heard them say the difference between charging and layaway is with layaway, when the final payment is made, you have a brand new item that you held in your hands. With credit, when the final payment is made, you don't even know where the item is anymore. Like you've already given it away. Church, culture's lied to us. Always says you, have, you need what you don't have. And I want to encourage you today to let you know that if you choose contentment, it'll change your life. Contentment is the, in, in consumerism, we, we need it. We need stuff. We need to shop. We need to have a car. We need to have a house. None of those things are wrong, but always make sure you got a free hand. Always make sure that there's some margin and there's some free hand along the way. There's a study that was done, a survey called The Day Americans Told the Truth, and in that they asked the question, what would you be willing to do for $10 million? And uh, 25% said they'd abandon their entire family <laughs> for $10 million. Uh, 23% said they'd become a prostitute for a week or more for $10 million. 16% said they'd give up their American citizenship for $10 million. 10% said they'd withhold testimony, letting a murderer go free for $10 million. 7% said they'd kill a stranger for $10 million. You got some messed up people in the world today. And 3% said they'd, they'd put up their children for adoption. So I'm like, I'll do that for free. Anybody <laughs> think that? So here's what the scripture says. Don't always be wishing for what you don't have. It's for somebody. Don't always be wishing for what you don't have. Because real life and real living are not related to how rich you are. That, 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 that who you are, that, that those people, I think that survey, it's funny, but I think it represents our society. We, 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 we misunderstand that, 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 that stuff is not going to bring us the real life that we're looking 
looking for. And yes, get a handful. And yes, live in the world that we're in today. But always keep a hand free to say, God, you've been so good to me, and I just want to say thank you. You've been so good to me, and I just want to say I couldn't make it without you, God. And I realize that, that that's not what I don't have. It's what I do have. See, contentment is not the fulfillment of what you want, but it's the realization of what you already have. Many, people, many times we think, well, I'll be content when I have what I want. No, you won't. You'll be content whenever you realize what you already have. Realize the blessing of what God has already put in your life. There was a book that, I, that, that, was, um, that was recommended to me recently called Family Wealth, Keeping It in the Family by a man named James E. Hughes. And in the book, he outlines the reality that, 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 that in, in our society, in American society, uh, wealth rarely perpetuates from generation to generation. Most time, wealth uh, comes and goes in three generations. The first generation makes the money. The second generation um, manages the money. And the third generation loses the money. And over and over again, it goes. But in the book, it uh, outlines two families, the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers, that, uh, that for, for generations have passed down family wealth and, and left legacy. And they said one of the main reasons that they've left a legacy is because how they see what true wealth really is. And they said they would characterize wealth in one of three ways. It's number, the first one, if you were to ask one of these families that perpetuated wealth, they would say, what, has, what, what is wealth? And they would say, I'm wealthy because of human wealth. Human wealth is the inherent high value of every individual in the family. In other words, if you were to ask a Rothschild or a Rockefeller if they're wealthy, they may pull out a phone and show you a picture of a grandkid and say, oh yes, I'm very wealthy because of the people that God's put in my life. I'm wealthy because of my family. I'm wealthy because of my church family. I'm wealthy because of the people that I get to do life with, that have human wealth in, in, in my life. And, and the next one, they said intellectual wealth. This is the invested and developed education and skills of the family. The knowledge, the know-how, the education makes it's wealthy. The mind to be able to live and to be able to acquire skills and talents and ability. They said that's, that is wealth. And then lastly, the financial wealth. And it's the financial wealth available to be able to help the family. And I added a few to the list that's not in the book, but I would add to this physical wealth. That's the physical health that you are blessed with today. The physical health. If you, if you came here this morning on your, and, and, and you were able to, to come here on your own volition in your, in your right mind, I want to tell you, you're wealthy. You're blessed. There are people that are, that, that are in hospital beds today not knowing if they're going to live. We are wealthy because of the health that's in our body and, 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 and most of all, spiritual wealth. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with what? With every spiritual spiritual blessing in Christ. If you know Christ Jesus, you are the wealthiest person on planet earth. There's nobody more wealthy than you. You have all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. So, so here's the point of all of that. The point is always leave a hand free to say, God, thank you for what you've blessed me with. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my health. Thank you for my finances. God, thank you for the, your spiritual blessings. Thank you for the fact that I am wealthy. In other words, you don't have to live your life chasing something that you already have. When you embrace what you have, I believe God says, okay, I can give you more so that you can be a blessing. But I can't bless you if you're just going to live your life looking for the distant diamond. Understand you're already blessed in Christ Jesus. 
Here's some ideas about this. We're going to get into this more practically as the series goes on. Cut back. Cut back. Specifically our schedules. Cut back our schedules. And I am preaching to myself today in Jesus' name. Preaching to myself about this. Because I can, I can live life with no margin. I read this recently by Stephen Iardi. It says this, We were never designed for the sedentary, indoor, socially isolated, fast food-laden, sleep-deprived, frenzied pace of the modern life. God didn't create us for what we're... It's a lie. That's why, that's why God, from the very beginning, instituted something called the Sabbath. It's not just a day off, it's a day of rest. It's a day with the family that God's put in our lives. Spend today with your family. Eat lunch together with the family. Hold hands around that table and, and thank God for the blessings that He's put in your life. Cut back from the frenzied pace. and Even if that means you have to come home a little bit early when you can maybe get both hands full. But maybe just leave, leave a hand open so that you can leave a legacy that will be far beyond what, what anything could ever bring you. Cut back, turn off. This is so good. Just, and we, we're, we're, let today be a day just, just for the rest of the day. I know some people are going to maybe have a conniption fit. Just turn off your phone. Like, like let it be for the rest of the day. You're going to survive. But, but it's still in our joy, the comparison, because of the constant, the constant um, just influence of social media and the people around us. And you weren't made for that. You weren't made to see and compare yourself with everybody else there. There's student, I feel like it's wrecking students' lives because God has a blessing. God, God, you are wealthy. You are beautiful, especially young ladies and young men. That, that, that you, you, you are so beautiful and created by God, but culture has lied to you. And, and because of constant comparison, you, you think you need something else to affirm you to be beautiful. I want to tell you, God has a purpose and plan for your life. That that God, you are wealthy, you are beautiful, that God has a grand plan for you, but sometimes we just gotta leave a hand free for God to speak to us. Then lastly, pay off. We're gonna talk about this next week and just give you some hope about this. The average American has, has a credit card debt of $16,000. The average card debt's $27,000. The average student loan's $48,000. I haven't yet to meet one person that says, man, my debt just makes me feel so good. <laughs> The Bible says the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Get that book that's out there. Come back next week. We're going to talk all about it. We're going, to, we're, we're going to choose to live life with one hand open. Here's the third thing and final thing. Choose eternity over earth. Choose eternity over earth. Think about this young man that chose just the stuff. Chose to live with both hands Filled, instead of choosing, instead of choosing just to put his hand down and say, Jesus, I want to follow you. It, this isn't in the Bible, but one of my suspicions is I don't think Jesus would have let him give, give it all. I think it would have been like an Abraham and Isaac moment. I think God was just wanting to know, are you, are you willing to live your life with the hand free? And I think if you could see from God's perspective... The purpose of life, I, I think this man says, I blew it. I spent my life worried about the stuff. Man, and I had the opportunity to face to face with the God of all heaven. And I missed it. 
I chose earth. I should have been choosing eternity. That's how I should have been living. That's why Paul tells Timothy, command those who are rich, and I'll say this, that's every single one of us. We are the most blessed nation in the world. This isn't just a line or a number. This isn't just for certain people. This is for every one of us. As I said earlier, we are blessed. But command those who are rich in this present world, don't be arrogant and don't put your hope in it. It's uncertain. Put your hope in God who richly provides with everything, you with everything for your enjoyment. And command to do good, to be rich in good deeds and be generous and willing to share. Watch this. In this way, they will lay up for themselves a firm foundation for the coming age. What's that legacy? So that they may take a hold of the life that is truly life. If I could just say this, the life that's truly life is not found on, in this world. The life that's truly life, the legacy that God's put in us to leave, it's something bigger. And simply, I'll leave you with this today. It's simply this. There is more to this life than this life. If you don't get anything else out of today's message, let this get in your heart. There's more to this life than this life. There is more to this life than this life. God's called us to leave a legacy. Let's pray together. Thank you.